welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gormy, and I'm glad you're listening with us today. I'm going to be bringing you the story of another guy who has definitely, definitely struggled with weight issues and done some truly amazing things, and I'm just excited to have him with us today. Uh, his name is Mike Sternfels. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh, good. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm glad I'm glad you're here. And I'm going to kick things off with the, the first question I like to ask, which is, tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? Well, I guess for me, um, I still consider myself overweight. But when I was younger, I when I was even in like high school, I was around like by the time I was a senior in high school, I was probably about 400 pounds or so. Maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. Um. I was overweight. Um, I mean, before high school, I feel like I've always been overweight. Like, I honestly can't remember a time, even as like a kid that I wasn't. I'm sure if I asked someone in my family, they'd be like, oh, no, it wasn't that bad. But to me, at least the earliest I can remember back was like fifth or sixth grade being overweight and getting made fun of for it, which I felt like was a common theme for uh, middle school and high school. But when I was in high school, I guess, is when I realized it was probably at its worst when I was purposely like skipping school so I wouldn't have to like run the mile in like gym class. I assume a lot of people did that in high school. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but that's when I should have realized it was probably more of a problem when I was like wanting to skip school just to avoid doing physical activity. And now up to that point, man, had you as a kid, like had you tried to diet? Had your family tried to put you on, on diets or anything? Or was it just you had kind of just lived your life and it was accepted that you were just going to be the big kid. Um, I think it was more like accepted. I can't recall ever being on a diet. I feel like my parents probably tried, but without me, like even knowing when I was like younger, but I don't think anything ever worked. Like I played sports, but it was never really enough to keep my weight under control. I played like as a younger kid, like baseball and soccer. And then in like middle school, high school, I played roller hockey. But it was just never really enough to stop me from gaining weight, I guess. Oh, for sure. And when you graduated high school, it wasn't like that was the end of, of your weight gain. Things kept going. Oh, yeah. I kept gaining weight after high school. I, I had tried at some point myself as an adult uh, to lose weight. But the truth is, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was in college at that point and i noticed i had gone up a little bit and there was moments where i felt like it had gone down and i didn't really change much i just walked and tried making better decisions while eating but it never really amounted to much um the one thing i was going to say that probably made my weight a lot worse to the point where like it was a problem was um when i was in college i woke up one morning and what I'm about to say, there's like two parts to the story, but they're not, they're related, but not related, if that makes sense. I had woken up and I couldn't see out of uh, both my eyes. And it took like 10 minutes to gain my vision back. And I still don't know what caused that even to like this day. Like some of my doctors thought maybe it was related to uh, the oxygen I take in. So like really, really bad, like sleep apnea. Um, but that was enough to like motivate me to start going to the doctor to see what was going on. 
because like it happened frequently for a while. But the second part of that was um, when my vision started getting worse, I was having these issues where if I would try to go outside during the day or like use my computer, my eyes, both my eyes would kind of just shut and I couldn't open them for a while till like I'd adjust. So like I went to my one doctor um, and he, she was like, you really need to go to an eye doctor because she didn't know what was going on. So then I went to an eye doctor, which I hadn't gone to in like five years prior, maybe more. Cause like I had went in high school, but like, I never really saw a point in going back. Cause like my vision was fine with glasses, but, um, he didn't even know what was going on. And like, he gave me a bunch of medicine to try. And then like two to three weeks later, he was just like, I think I know what it is. So he sent me to a specialist. Um, and eventually I went to the specialist and they figured it out that at some point the cornea layer of my right eye had ruptured and fluid, uh, went from the back to the front and it was causing scarring. And I was, that's why I was having like super light sensitivity and like my vision was starting to cause an issue. But like the issues that I was saying before, like waking up in the morning where there'd be like 10 minutes of not being able to see apparently wasn't even related. In a way, I was kind of hoping it was because I was like starting to freak out or like assuming that it was like diabetes or something. And like I had never had any issues prior, but like I always knew that it was something to be concerned about just because both my parents uh, had it. So the uh, diabetes that is. So I mean, that has to have been a really scary time, like, you know, having those moments where your vision's not there and that in that increased sensitivity and. So what what happened to you from there? Uh, oh, sorry, I tried, should have mentioned that. But so after it was just like um, I was on like sleeping medication and painkillers just to get through after surgery because I had to be awake for the surgery, which is like to me one of the worst things. I don't know if it was because of my weight or if the people who get the transplant have to be awake for it. But for me, I had to be awake for it to like it was like an hour of like watching them take out the top layer of my eye and then sewing oh, wow. the new one and having to watch, you know, the needle go in the whole way through. And, and that was you, that was a corneal transplant you had done, correct? Yeah. Okay. And what, where, where, where was your weight at then? Do you know? Cause. Um, I want to say it was still close to like 400. Maybe I had lost a little bit at that point. Cause I was fluctuating between like mid three hundreds and maybe mid four hundreds at that point. But, um, yeah, after that, I just did, um, it was really hard for me to get outside. Like I couldn't drive anymore after having the, uh, transplant during recovery. And I wasn't really supposed to go outside like in direct sunlight because it would just hurt so much. My eyes would shut. Mm -hmm. So like for me, it was just like the perfect excuse, I guess, to stay up all night and not be up during the day and start playing video games like nonstop because I had nothing else to do. Like I couldn't read books, I couldn't drive, and with that, it caused a lot more issues for me. Like that's when I started gaining a lot of weight. After that, was just because I couldn't buy my own groceries, and I I just wasn't doing any physical activity. It was pretty much just like waking up every morning and getting on the computer to play video games with friends, and then you know eventually leaving my room to use the bathroom or get food, and then go back to bed, and you know the next day would be the same exact thing. Well, it sounds like, you know, it, it basically kind of forced you to live, you know, a very small kind of almost hermit like life, you know, not being able to get out into the world and 
you know, not being able to read books. So I'm assuming it affected school for you at that time. Yeah, I had to drop out. I, I couldn't even like find a way to get out. Like I had friends that were willing to like take me places, but it was hard to do things. I'd always be wearing sunglasses and I'd feel terrible. And like during that time after surgery, like my eye was, um, I had like a, a patch over it and it just felt like I had hair in my eye the whole time. It was like really irritating. I mean, I suppose there's worse things, but like it just made like my weight issues so much worse and I had gained weight so quick without uh, being like, for example, like a lot of the food that was in my house was a lot of stuff that I shouldn't be eating anyway. And like not being able to have control over what like my options are felt a lot worse. Like I could have maybe commented it and like asked for certain things, but I just didn't care, I guess. So it was like if there was something in the house, I was going to eat it like a frozen pizza. I'd probably eat the whole thing and that'd just be lunch. Stuff like that. One of the things you shared with me was that, you know, during this time, you know, that your, your weight really soared, you know, obviously 400 is, is, is a heavy spot to be in, but you, you are saying, you know, you've, you've said that you got up, you know, over 550 pounds, possibly 600 at this, at that point. Uh, yeah, I lived in New Jersey at the time. And before I moved uh, to upstate New York, I had gone to my doctor and like, it was a quick amount of time from like being stuck at home. And to when I moved up here, I remember I'd gone to my doctor and uh, the scale just didn't go past 550. So I I never really knew how much higher she was just kind of guessing or basing it, I guess, on other people she's worked with before. And like she had offered to me that if I wanted to, I could have gone with her to, um, I don't even remember if it was a college or somewhere she knew that had a scale that would work. But I just, you know, I didn't really, I don't want to say I didn't care. I just would rather not know the answer at the time. Right. Well, that was what my question was going to be. So what was, where was your head at, you know, about your weight at that point? Like, do you feel like you had given up or was it more just seemed like this overwhelming thing that there was no real way for you to change with the way things were? Uh, It depends on the day, I guess, back then. Like there's times looking back on it now where I'm like, I just didn't care. Or I always kind of looked at it like, you know, I can change it at some point. Like this isn't forever, even though like, I would never actually make changes to, uh, you know, try to fix it. I just, I know it's going to sound, at least when I say it now, it sounds strange. But like looking back, like, I would say I was pretty happy. Like now seeing the way I am, like I'm happy I've made changes. And like, I didn't realize that I could feel as happy, I guess, as I do now. But back then, like I didn't really uh, find it like that uncomfortable. Like there was definitely like, you know, a lot of struggles because of size. But, like, I was never really, like, angry or upset about it, I guess, if that makes mm. sense. No, I, th- I think it does. I think that's something that I went through myself, you know. there. I mean, I lived a long time over 500 pounds. And I there was there were times where there were problems. But, you know, I would say overall, like, I was never – I wasn't, like, a constantly miserable person. Like, I, I, I think as human beings, we can adapt to almost any situation and we find ways to still kind of find reasons to go on, even if we're we, we're living in, in ways that we look back on now and we're like, how was I even doing that? You know, like, what, <laughs> yeah. you know, how how was I getting through the day doing that? Like, how was that something that was even possible? Like you, you mentioned, I, I'm just curious about like the other kind of co- co-issues that can go around with being that big like you mentioned sleep apnea was that diagnosed for you were you did you have to use a CPAP like 
was that something they had actually like the doctor would actually kind of like talk to you about or was it just assumed that it was there um when i had the issue with my eyes the first time when i was waking up like and i couldn't see that was just more of like a suggestion that it could be this but i never actually went but later on i had gone to uh when i already moved up to upstate new york i had gone to a specialist for it and they gave me a CPAP for it and I used it for a really, really long time. I had seen my specialist when I was probably mid to low 300s. So I had already lost quite a bit of weight and I was so frustrated because every time I'd see him, he was trying to push me to get um, like stomach surgery and I have nothing against it, but I had already lost you know, like so much weight already that I was getting like irritated that he kept trying to push it on me every time I go. And it's like, I have no problem talking about and having a real conversation with like my primary doctor or any doctor that's not my sleep apnea one. I was just kind of feeling like I kind of wish the person that would be talking about this isn't the sleep apnea one just because it's like, I don't know, I'm sure any doctor can give you good advice, but still it's just like, this isn't his focus, I guess. Oh, for, I, I, Honestly, man, like I, as you're telling this, I'm like nodding here because in when I was I was hospitalized for pneumonia um, and had to see a pulmonologist for a while after that. And literally every time I went to see the pulmonologist, he would say, are you ready to talk about weight loss surgery yet? And I was already down at that point, like 150 pounds or more. And so literally every time he would do that, I would open up my phone to a before picture and go. That was me a year ago. I'm like, I think I'm doing good. And it was he he one time finally after like probably the third or fourth time, he's like, Well, you just know that most people who diet don't keep the weight off. And weight loss surgery is really the only way you're probably ever gonna keep this weight off. And I said, as the person paying you, I'm gonna tell you I don't ever want to talk to you about this again. Like, we're done. We're done. I'm like, I think you do great work and you've done some great things for me. But you literally have to bring this up every time we talk. I said, and it's honestly tiring. I'm like, I'm doing what I need to do. And so then it's almost like he broke like the, the training he had. And he said, well, you know, they make, us, they make us suggest it to you every time if you're over a certain weight. And that I was doesn't like, surprise me. What? And, uh, yeah. And I mean, at that time, I was like, okay. I said, well, why don't you mark down that you've done it for our next appointment? Because I'm not having this discussion with you again. Like, we're not. I'm like, you have clearly, you've seen me lo lose, even over the past couple months, lose more weight. Like, he's like, oh, I know you're doing great. I'm like, then why do you, why do you hit me with that every time? Like, it just made no sense to me. But I get that frustration, like, knowing, you know, there's that person who's talking to you about something that, you know, might, like, my, I had pneumonia. It was an infection, a bacterial infection that was not related to my weight at all. And here he is, like, let's talk about your weight. And I'm like, I get it. Okay, my lungs are fine. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, it, it's, it's just intense. And so for, like, you to be in that place of, like, you at that point were probably down, you know, 200, 250 pounds. Like, yeah. Well, that's what got me. Is like, I've been working so hard, and I told him I wasn't interested. And then he brought it up a bunch of times. And, like, after that, any time I'd go, I'd just already go into it not in, like, the best mood. I mean, could it have helped me still at that point? probably but i was just like i've already come so far it's like i don't feel the need to have that surgery at this point it's like maybe at some point if i things changed in some way like sure but it's like i just don't like that if i didn't bring it up like i don't really want 
this doctor who's not like my primary just talking about it every time I'm there. Oh, sure. That's completely understood. So, man, let's talk about so what was like what was life like for you when you did get to your, you know, to that heaviest point? And then what what was the catalyst that made you decide that it was time to change? Um, I suppose life at like my heaviest stage, like I'd already moved um upstate uh New York at that point. Um I live on the second floor in a house and it it wasn't hard for me to get around upstairs, but like anything that would require me to go downstairs and go upstairs was like, it felt like, you know, such a struggle. And like, I wasn't really leaving my house that often. Like once I moved up here, unless it was like a checkup for like my eye doctor, which someone else would have to take me to, or like my primary doctor, someone would have to take me to, or I guess at some point um, I was able to drive again. But like at that point I had already lost weight, I guess. So I guess that's not really a part of it. But at that time frame where I wasn't really leaving my house, like the only mobility I had was pretty much just walking to the bathroom upstairs. And then if I wanted to eat, I'd have to walk downstairs and the going downstairs wasn't hard by any means. But going upstairs was like the biggest struggle. I could hold on to the railing and I'd feel like super out of breath by the time. And it wasn't like it was like that many stairs. So like it would just be like i make it to the top and then i'd make it to like my bed or chair and i'd just sit there and i'd pretty much be there all day playing video games mostly to avoid the fact that i couldn't do a lot of things like that or beyond walking but like i had other health issues that started coming up i had really bad um i can't remember what the word is I'm, i think i've heard it on your podcast so you'll know immediately but uh like a lot of swelling in my legs and like discoloration on like oh, my yeah, feet so like, and legs so like edema issues yeah Mm -hmm. so like that was well understood bad for like the longest time like i didn't even wear socks for like a long time just because it was so hard to get socks that fit that like didn't feel like it was cutting off circulation and like i'm i know you've said on other podcasts like having to order special clothing and stuff online and just hoping for the best so like there was always those struggles finding stuff to wear and especially like i don't think people understand that like not all socks fit all feet. Like, especially when you're you're dealing with weight issues and edema, like, you know, there's like there was literally one brand of socks that I could get that would fit and they were like they were like the super extra wide diabetic socks, like is what they were yeah. like I think it's even in their name is like extra wide socks or something like that. And literally any like I would find other brands that would say that they were wide and that they were meant for swollen feet. And they just and don't fit. Yeah, I couldn't get them on. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess my feet, you know, I guess I'm too swollen. Like, I guess that's not going to happen. And it's always fun when you're paying $18 a pair for socks. Like, that's always a nice, you know, yeah. a, a nice Especially little Especially if you got to pay shipping, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And, like, I still feel that way. Clothing feels really awkward. Like, as far finding stuff that fits and then, like, you order from one company and the next and, like, even the same company, like it may not fit is like the most frustrating thing to me. And I'm sure I've heard that on your podcast before. <laughs> oh yeah. There's no consistency, no, no consistency with sizing at all. So, so man, you, you're living this, you're upstate New York and, and I'm just curious, what part of upstate New York were you in? Uh, just outside Syracuse. Oh, cool. I, I only, cause I went to school in Ithaca. So I'm always curious to what, what parts of New York people are, are bouncing around in. Um, so you're living in upstate New York, you're kind of like on your second floor and, you know, living life like that. What, 
what led you to want to change? Like what happened? Was there some one thing that happened or was it just like finally enough things had piled up that you decided it was time? En- enough things had like piled up. Like I was getting sick of like the lagging issues and like having to go to the doctor for like water pills and like, uh, I guess is it antibiotics that I took? I guess for, for like uh, cellulitis, I had to take stuff for that. Um, but like my two big uh, things, I guess for me, that was like starting my motivation to like make these changes. One was my transplant. Um, to me, like it was bothering me that I guess that, you know, like I had a second chance in a way to like make changes in my life. And um, well, I don't know anything about the donor. Obviously they had to have passed away in order for me to, to take their cornea, I guess. So like to me, it was just like, you know, this person's dead and I don't know the circumstances and that's, that's fine. But, you know, they were willing, at least when they were alive to have their, you know, organs donated. And I know to some people it's like, oh, it's just a cornea. But like, to me, you know, it's a difference between me being able to drive now and be able to see, be able to read, at least from my right eye. So like, to me, it was like, you know, I really need to make changes to that way. I like, you know, I'm not letting that person's, I guess, gift go to waste. And then the second one is my older brother. He came up to visit. Um, I want to say it was around Christmas, maybe a little bit after. I want to say in 20, 2016, I think, or maybe 2015. Uh, he came up to tell me that uh, his wife was pregnant and that he wanted me to make changes in my life. So that way I'd be able to be there for his, uh, I guess, soon-to-be daughter. But And I started thinking about it more and more. Obviously, at first, I was kind of mad, I think, that, you know, he said this to me. But, like, you know, looking back on it, like, weeks, or like, I don't want to say weeks, but, like, even, like, days later after, I was just like, you know, he meant well. And it wasn't something negative. And then I was like, he was right. And I think that's what bothered me was that, you know, I need to, otherwise I won't be around to, to see my niece. And I just got really upset about it because I started thinking about like, you know, anytime like they're out somewhere like a park or just even at their house, like I don't want to just be sitting on the couch and like, I don't want uh, his kids growing up knowing me just, you know, as, you know, fat uncle Mike or whatever you want to call it. I just don't want them, I guess, seeing me like that. Or not being able to be there for them, I guess, was like my big motivation to just get started. That makes complete sense. Uh, it, it again, it's funny, you know, we're both named Mike, and then you know that also res- that resonates with me in terms of the reasons why I started my journey a couple of years ago. Like, it's it's powerful when when people talk to you about those things, even even if at first we don't want to hear it. Like, it 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 can be important and impactful. Like for us to understand kind of where we fit into like a bigger picture. Yeah. And I wasn't happy about it, I guess, in the moment, but I really appreciated it, I guess, within days or a few weeks later that I was like, oh, I need to figure out what I'm doing. I think that makes sense, man. And so how, so there you are on the second floor, you know, somewhere over 550 pounds. How do you get started? Like, what what did you do to get yourself started? Did you start with food? Did you start trying to move? Like, where? Take us into that spot. I 
I'm not sure of the time frame after, but it was pretty close. I had I scheduled an appointment with my primary doctor. So I went to talk to him because I was just clueless. I didn't know where to begin, especially at that way. Like, you know, it, is it like as simple as just changing my diet or do I need to like, I just didn't know what to do. And I had like really no experience with like truly trying to lose weight. Like I had tried like once maybe during college time and it was just like walking and I probably didn't even change my diet at all. But it was like my effort to try to do better and make better decisions, I guess. Because when I was in like, there's stuff looking back on it. Like I know this is more about like high school. Um, you know, I look back on things I ate, like uh, we were allowed to leave our school for lunch. And there was like um, a Wendy's, a KFC, pizza place, just a ton of stuff. So I always ate a lot of terrible food. So like that was just for me what I was used to eating. So like I was starting to think like, oh, maybe I should just begin with easy stuff like cutting out fast food now as an adult because I was still eating fast food a lot. When I had moved up here, um, there's a McDonald's that's not far away from my house. And I was way more excited about it then than at this point of trying to lose weight. But at the McDonald's, it was dollar Big Macs from midnight to 5 a.m. So I used to get multiple ones. And one of those things that I'm not too proud of, I'd definitely eat all of them. So <laughs> so I stopped like the easy stuff that was in walking distance. Because when I moved, there was a few places that were nearby. But I didn't do it often because walking was a struggle. But... It was close enough that once in a while I made the trip to go buy stuff like that. So I immediately just stopped eating fast food. But anyway, I'll get back to, I guess, the primary doctor. I uh, I would go on to him and I, I suggested um, I wanted to know more about uh, gastric bypass or sleeve. Like I looked some stuff up online. I didn't really know a whole lot about it still. But I went to him and, you know, he told me that he would write me um, a referral if I was willing to try to lose weight first to show that I was committed to the idea, I guess. Because he was saying how, like, I can't just send you there uh, if if I haven't even had a chance to, like, see if you can make some changes yourself first because they're going to want you to lose weight too, he said, first. And I was like, okay. So then I asked him, I was just like, honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. What do you think I should do? And he said, well, I'll see you back in, like, I want to say it was like two, maybe three months, but his challenge during, like he gave me a challenge between that time frame to stop drinking alcohol and stop drinking soda and to only drink water. And that was it. And I did it and I don't know how much I lost, but I had lost like maybe 50 pounds just by switching to water. And like I was drinking diet soda too. And like, I wasn't really drinking alcohol that much, but it was enough where it was like, it was worth mentioning that I stopped drinking. And then, um, so I gone back to him the second time and he's like, you know, I, his scale didn't work either. His only went up to like 450, but like he was able to tell just by like the clothes I was on. And I kind of had an idea just based on some clothing I had that fit way differently at that point. So within, even when that two to three months, I had lost a bit and I went back and I was, uh, he was asking me if I wanted to see the specialist still. And I told him I wanted to see how much I could do myself first. So then we started talking more about how I just need to try walking more to get going. And uh, he, he suggested, he said, obviously, he can't tell me what to do, but he suggested doing a low glycemic diet. 
So I started doing that. And then on my own, I just started walking like every day. Like I had a, like an Excel spreadsheet. I was like mapping out on like Google maps, like distances. And I was keeping notes of like places I could sit, like benches and parks. And like, I got really into it and it was like really weird. Everyone's like, why are you keeping notes on like where benches are? And I'm like, I need to know these things if I need to stop. So. Well, at that, yeah. I mean, when you're in that condition, like you need to know you, it, it's great to kind of start out, you know, on the walking, but you, they're gonna, there's going to be a point where you need that rest spot and you need to know that there's a rest spot that you can use. So I think I, I'm listening, I'm listening and I'm like, uh, that's smart. I should have done that when I could start. <laughs> And it was just like I needed to know like all these little details and like where to go and like but it's so over it and that was maybe within the first five months. But as I got to I think it was like June or so, because I think I want to say I started probably like January. That perfect time of year where a lot of people commit to changes. Um I had found out from I can't remember. I think it was my mom's cousin. They told me that they were building a YMCA on like the other side of my town and it was going to open up in June. So when June finally came, um, my mom took me there actually. And, uh, they had options, uh, for different payments. So I was able to afford actually going there, even though at that time I wasn't working still and I was still on like disability, uh, from the transplant. But I remember talking to my dad after. And he said he would be willing to pay for my uh, membership fee if I actually went like a few times a week. And I was super into it, so I told him I would. And I, I still couldn't drive still at that point. Uh, so I went the next day. And the thing is, my mom was out and I had no, I don't, I don't really know, I didn't really know that many people around here yet. I lived here maybe seven, eight months, and but like I wasn't leaving my house, so I didn't really have any friends or any or anyone I knew that I could ask for rides. So I made a really terrible decision, but looking back on it, I'm happy I did. I ended up walking from my house to the YMCA, and it's about it's about five miles, and it was and it was June, and it was pretty hot. I had taken with me like a change of clothes, some bottles of water, and it took me like, I want to say like three hours to do five miles, maybe a little bit more. And like, I just remember I'd do a bit and then I'd sit and then I'd keep going and then I'd sit. And right as I got close to the end, I remember someone pulled over asking if I needed help or a ride somewhere because I probably looked terrible at that point. But... Eventually I made it and I didn't even do anything. I got there and I took a shower and changed clothes and I called my mom to pick, come pick me up because I just had zero interest in working out after walking all the way there, which was pretty much more of a workout that I had gotten in the longest time. Oh, I'm going to say like, you know, walking five miles at that point, you yeah. put the work in that. That was, you know, you put some work in that day, man. That's wild. And I was probably, I want to say, just by guessing, like, I don't really know. I was probably close to 500 at that point, maybe slightly under. But after that, like, I knew, like, I just, in my head, I was just so excited that I was, like, able to do it. So, like, that to me was, like, a, like such a foundation of, like, I can do this. And then, obviously, after that, I, I don't think I did it for the longest time again. I had, like, zero interest of walking there again, especially in summer. So, 
I pretty much after that, I got a lot of rides from my mom on if she was available. But I had gone like so many days, like in a row. Like I realized from like June to January, I think I missed like two, three days of going there. And like I didn't know anything about, um, you know, like any fitness center, not just like the Y. I I didn't really know how to swim, so I didn't really ever do that. So the only thing I do there like in their actual fitness area was just use a treadmill or they had an upstairs track i'd walk like i didn't know how to use like any of the weights like i had zero experience in like high school or at any point in my life of using any weights and like trying to work out or figuring out how to do like all the stuff that you see the people in the back doing where it's like free weights and stuff like that and i'm just like i'm way too embarrassed to go try to figure it out so i would just go in and use a treadmill every day and i would do it every single day and I and it wasn't running on it, I was just walking. But I just remember every time I'd finish working out, people would say things to me about I'm doing a great job and it's like my shirt would just be soaked and I didn't even run. I just walked on a treadmill for an hour. And then I'd shower and go home, do it again. And like I didn't realize even how much I had been going till around Christmas time. I got a letter in the mail from the Y about how I could come pick up a t shirt that I had won. They gave um, t-shirts out to the people who had the most, like, attendance for the year. Like, so they got these shirts that just say, like, top 100 user on it. And then, like, has, like, the Y logo on it. And I was, like, super excited that I had gotten one. Because I had joined in, like, June. And I had gone, like, every single day all the way to, like, Christmas. And, like, I'd rarely missed a day. Like, seeing that as, like, something to me that it made a huge difference on me. It was just, like... Um, I was just so excited because I didn't realize how much I was going. And it was just like, you know, seeing something that proved that, you know, I have been trying really hard, I guess, meant a lot to me, I guess, if that makes sense. Because I never thought I'd be at a, you know, I never thought I'd be at that part in my life where it was like, <laughs> I've gone to this gym enough where I've got a t-shirt for being a top person who comes a lot. No, man, that's a, that's intense. And that's an intense experience. Like, look at where you you were you know, a year before, you know, the beginning of the year before, like, you know, struggling to get up the stairs. And yeah. and now and now you're being recognized as someone who's one of the, you know, the highest attenders at your gym. Like, that's a that's kind of an, an amazing testament to your consistency. And at that point, were you still kind of following the same? Were you following the low glycemic diet? Like, how was what was your weight loss like during that period? Um, Just from those, like, I think right after christmas so like not from june to december i'd gone back for a checkup with my doctor i had been going like every 10 months and or sorry not 10 months i meant every every month i'd gone back for just uh he worked with me with like monthly weigh-ins and just like talking and seeing like trying to get advice i'd still been doing the low glycemic but i know when i went back in january i finally was able to be on the scale that it could read something and it was like 443 or something. So I had lost a decent amount of weight in less than, you know, like uh half a year or so or about half a year. And like I was just so like I don't even know. Like I just remember being so excited. Yeah, that that had to be a that had to be a big motivating factor for you to finally you know, after all those times of getting on those scales and them basically saying, sorry, we can't, like, you could finally, 
you know, start to see progression in that way. Yeah, it was just like such a nice feeling that like after going like every month, like I finally one of the scales worked. And I was just like, because every time I'd get disappointed, it's like you get to the doctor, like regardless of which doctor it was, like the first thing they do is like, oh, just hop on the scale real quick and like take your blood pressure and all that. And it's like, oh, sorry, there's no reading on the scale. It's like, oh, okay. It's like, it's disappointing, but at the same time, it's like, I could just tell by other stuff in my life that I was losing weight regardless of the scale, just like mostly like clothes fitting differently and I guess the way I felt like being able where I was on the treadmill from the first day to like, you know, six months later, like just the amount of distance I could cover or how I felt by the time I was done. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the things you mentioned uh, when, you know, we were communicating before the episode was that not just the walking, but there was there was a a reward system you built into what you were doing. Oh, yeah, it was like really looking back on it. Some of the things on it were pretty cool. silly. like I. One of my friends suggested it. I don't remember exactly at which point I started, but it was pretty close to the beginning. It was like every 10 pounds, I had like a different reward that I would do something for myself. Like some of my more recent ones was like when I got below like, I think it was like 260 was to go to an amusement park with uh, some friends. Because like when I was in high school, I remember there was a trip we had to Six Flags in New Jersey where they wouldn't let me on one of the rides because the bar wouldn't shut because I was too heavy. And like, I acted like then it didn't bother me. But like looking back on, it, I was like, actually, it really did bother me. But I just didn't want to say anything in front of my friends at the time, like out of embarrassment. Because like, there's still stuff like even now that I, you know, I feel like I'm a lot bigger than I am. So like, I hated like getting like haircuts or like going anywhere where I've, you know, I'm just not sure if I'm going to fit in the chair kind of thing. And I'm sure that's happened to like a lot of people, especially after hearing this podcast and other people. Well, it's funny. It it makes me laugh because I I posted today on Instagram that just sometimes it takes our heads longer to catch up to our bodies. Like we make these physical changes. We make these kind of like in your case, an amazing transformation. And you, your head can still put you back in that place of being right back where you started sometimes, like in terms of even just approaching situations or approaching how you perceive yourself. Yeah. And it's so strange to me because I still, even at this point, feel that way. There's some days like when I, uh, I'm supposed to go somewhere, like my hairdresser I, is like one of the only few places that I feel comfortable going because she has a very uh, similar story to me in a way. She had a, sleeved on and she's lost a lot of weight and she runs a lot and she's also my running coach so if it was like someone else i had like the biggest fear of being like i'm gonna get there and i'm not gonna fit and then i'm gonna embarrass myself and then i'm never coming back that understood man and and let's for everyone listening like i i don't want to jump immediately ahead but what do, what do you weigh now just so people know like what we're talking about um like 225 to right. 235-ish, somewhere in there. It bounces back and forth probably because of sodium. But Right. So you're not, you know, 300, 400, 500 pounds anymore. Like you're, it's, it's, I, I think that's important for people to know that like the challenges, the mental side of this is something that we can still struggle with even when, you know, we've, you know, you've come so far, like there can still, there's still kind of hurdles to tackle. Uh, I think that, I think that's important. There's like a ton of things like that that like always surprise me that I'm like, 
I don't know why this is even on my radar of something to worry about. Like even clothes, I'll see sh- mostly shirts and I'll just be like, there's no way that's fitting. And then it fits completely fine. Like it seems way too small to me just because I'm used to having like, you know, 6X, 7X or higher shirts. And now it's like, I'm finally down into like wearing either 1Xs or larges. So it's just like such a weird feeling when I look at those shirts and I'm just like, this isn't going to fit. Well, it's almost like I know for me, like I have the sense memory of how far spread out my arms should be when I hold up a shirt. So when <laughs> I when I hold when I hold up a you know an extra large now or a large, and my arms are so close together, like it, that just feels awkward. Like it feels wrong. Like yeah. I still expect you know it's almost like your body's like no, your arms should be spread out almost as far as they can go, holding up like a t- you know a, a tablecloth size shirt. And instead, I'm like, there's no way that's going to get on my body. Like, there's literally no way that's going to... Okay, it's on my body. Okay. Wow. Like, every day that can happen. Like, it, it's it's wild, like, the games that we play with ourselves. Yeah, it's just so strange to me, because there's still times when I go out places, and I'm like, am I going to fit in this chair? Or, like, is there any real fear? Like, one of my personal things that bothers me still is I feel really awkward eating around people in public. Like, unless it's someone I'm friends with, like, I just feel super strange. Like, I feel like people are staring at me or something. And it's like, at this point, I don't know why it bothers me. Because I don't even think it bothered me back then. Like, so at some point it changed and I don't know why. Well, I I think that evolution happens, especially like, let's be realistic. Like, you've made some amazing rap, you know, changes in a rapid amount of time. You know, it's been a couple of years, but in the context of your entire life, a couple of years is, is a blink. So really, like, you know, there is some catching up to do. And like, there is, and I I was talking with someone else about this the other day that like, there are times where there's things that we do on our weight loss journey, like become very conscious about what we're eating and become very conscious about how we look and how we fit into space and more conscious of it than we were when we were at our biggest. Because I think when we're at our heaviest, we're good at ignoring those things, you know, and kind of letting that all roll off. And so we purposely become more sensitive to it because we're tracking and we're we're measuring and we're weighing ourselves. And then we realize, you know, that that can start to kind of head into that disordered side of things. You know, even though it's a well-intentioned choice we make, it can start to become a challenge. You know, so it's it's one of those things that you then have to start to work yourself out of again, like becoming more comfortable around other people and starting to realize that, you know, really, there's no chair that you're not going to fit in. Like let's let's be realistic like you know you the weight you're at now 99.9 unless it's like a flimsy you know camp chair rated to 150 <laughs> yeah. pounds you know a kid's camp chair you're gonna fit in it you're gonna fit in that chair you're gonna fit on that ride like yeah, and i have to tell myself it, that all the time it's like oh, yeah. you're not who you used to be like you'll be fine but like i still spend time thinking about it like when i'm driving to a place like like slightly anxious that it's not going to be okay even though it always is now but there's still like all those moments when it's like that still and like just like little things like i don't know i always feel like maybe i probably felt this way back then too but i still feel it now it's like i always feel like i'm in people's way because of like my size so like i see i feel myself like apologizing a lot even though i'm completely fine think about like when you were when you were bigger and moving through crowds like it was like one constant apology uh, after another, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting to like seats at a concert or something. Oh, it's yeah. just like the worst feeling in the world when it's pretty much I need everyone to get out of the row, not just. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, I, I host trivia a couple nights a week now. And at one of the bars, there's like an, an alley kind of in the bar between the rail and the, and the actual bar seats. And there's always people standing there playing. And I remember avoiding it because I knew there was no way I could get through without basically ramming myself up against <laughs> everyone. And when I slide through there now, I still like apologize. And I've had people be like, what are you apologizing for? And I'm like, nothing. Nope. Okay. Yep. I didn't bump into you like I thought I was going to, but I didn't. Okay. You know, like you, it's amazing. Like that change that still like our, our, we have to work on in our heads. And, and I think it's natural that you go through that, man. Like, I, I think that is an inevitable result of, of the, you know, the work that you've done and now just becomes like a new challenge, you know, is getting to that place of realizing that you don't have to expend that mental energy on those worries. And yet you can let go of those anxieties and it's easy to say, but it's harder to put into practice. Yeah. I try my best to not, but then I see myself doing it sometimes. I'm like, why am I worrying about this right now? Like I did, um, like a, a 5k mud run like a year ago where it was like mostly like obstacle courses. And I was just so surprised at how many things I was able to do and like waiting in line to like do them with all these people. I was like, am I going to fit like going underneath this plank or am I going to be able to actually climb this rope kind of thing? And it's like every time I'd get to one, I'm like, oh, this wasn't that bad. I don't know why I was sitting here thinking I was going to skip it kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know why I still worry as much as I do. Well, I mean, I, th I like, again, you know, I, th I think it's, it's a natural response to what you've been through. And it's something that like, obviously you'll figure out either you can work on it by yourself or, you know, you need support of someone else to help you kind of put that into place because you don't want to end up, you know, feeling like that forever because obviously it's, it's mentally taxing, but again, like it's, it's a normal, a normal reaction when you used to take up so much space in the world and now you don't like, it's hard to realize that we don't do that anymore, you know? And, and especially when you're going into, you're doing a lot of new things. Like, I think that's one of the things that, you know, we, we, we should definitely talk about is like your time on the treadmill at the gym didn't just stay at walking. Like you've, you've literally started running. Like running is a big part of your life now. Oh yeah. Um, Eventually, at some point, I joined uh, a run club through the Y, and they they have like different levels of groups. And the first one is like a walk to run group, and I ended up joining that. And it was like two days a week, and I really liked it. And uh, the coach for that group, uh, who's a who's a different person than I mentioned before, the hairdresser, her name is uh, Deb, and uh, she also has a, another similar story. Uh, she had. Uh, surgery she had lost I don't even want it I don't remember I feel bad that I don't know the number but she's lost quite a bit of weight and she's lost a lot of it through running and uh, she's phenomenal now she's run like marathons and she's done so many crazy things but she kept me motivated to join because of, you know when I was you know 450 or so I was just like why am I here right now like I feel super self-conscious with like all these people around but it wasn't bad. I just started doing it every day. And I want to say that was probably January after I finally was like 450, um, September, um, I guess 2016, I did my first 5k. Uh, it was a lot of people that were in the walk to run group had signed up for it as well. So we did it like as a group to like, like keep each other motivated. 
And I remember for doing that 5K, my dad drove up from New York City and my older brother drove up after work from New Jersey in the middle of the night and didn't sleep so he could be there for my first 5K, which was amazing because I look back on it and it's just like I've done so many 5Ks and longer runs at this point that it was such an awesome feeling that they showed up for that because it was a big deal to me and I know for a lot of people at this point or just other people wouldn't see doing that 5k as such a big deal but like when you look back from like where I started and like struggling to like go up my stairs and being out of breath to doing my first 5k it just felt like such an amazing feat I guess at the time and like I still look back on it as it is but it is man like don't don't discount that at all like really like i don't think there's anyone listening who would hear you say that you did that who would think that's not that big of a deal like that that's a pretty epic accomplishment and i think it's it makes sense that your your family would want to be there for you for it like it's 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 fantastic to see that you went because i i know what it's like to go from that place of barely wanting to walk or barely able to walk and now you're doing these you know kind of incredible things that are Something that I think there's probably a lot of people out there listening who are sitting in that same space that you were in to begin with and thinking that they'll never get there. And I think you show that like consistent hard work allows you to evolve and allows you to make real lasting change. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that's one of the things is just consistency. Just like my first 5K, I think it took me like 58 or 59 minutes to complete. and. After that, like, I just, you know, I started losing more weight and I was running and I still am. I'm running like, uh, maybe four days a week. I do base runs, which is about now for me, it's about three miles to five miles, depending on what I'm doing. And then Fridays, I usually do a long run. And like, for me currently, like my last month and a half has been between 10 to 15 miles every Friday. And so at some point on, on my journey, I guess I. I had done that reward system I mentioned before. Then one of my ones was when I got below 300 was to sign up for doing a sprint triathlon and doing a 10K. And I ended up getting to the point where I was able to do both of those. Wasn't like my fastest runs that I've ever had in my life. But, you know, just seeing where I started, it was so incredible. And then once I finished that 10K, I signed up for of 20... November of 2018, I did my first half marathon. And like, that was just such a crazy feeling, I guess, in a way where it's like, you know, I remember where I was at my heaviest and now I'm doing a half marathon and it took me just over, I think, three hours to do it. And like, just all these people I've met through Run Club uh, had shown up or had run it with me. And since then I ran again and did, I did it again, the half marathon in November again. And, um, one of the things that happened that like, was just one of those things that like, I got super emotional about is I have it on my Instagram, I think still, um, like, uh, the night before the half marathon for my, the second time that I ran it, uh, I got invited to a, a dinner, um, like a gala party where I was recognized for like, for central New York as a uh, male runner of the year, just because I do so many runs now. Like I try my best to do um, 
one run a month. And I've been pretty consistent with that for almost a year and a half where every month I do either a 5K, a 10K, or a half marathon. And like this year, like I'm, I have myself so booked, like, and I love running now. So it's just like, it doesn't seem as terrible as when I first started, I guess. Cause like this month I'm doing a half marathon at the end of February. I'm doing a half marathon on the last weekend of March, um, a half marathon mid April, and then a half marathon, um, beginning of May. And then my first full marathon is Memorial Day weekend in Buffalo. So like I've been super consistent with running for this whole time period. And that's how I've been able, at least for me to lose a lot of weight. And like, I mostly did, um, as I mentioned before, like the low glycemic, but I've been back and forth between doing a uh, keto too. And like just being consistent with what I'm eating and running has just, for me has done so much for helping me get lower weight and feel better physically when I work out. And isn't it amazing that, you know, you've, from, you've gone from someone that could barely move to like now, like you said out loud, you love running. Like it's, it's become something that you really, you don't just do because you have to do it to lose weight. Like it's something that you actually enjoy. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when I first did it, I honestly was only doing it because I didn't know what else to do. Like when I went to the gym, it was just like, I don't know how to use anything. I don't have enough, like. I don't want to say courage or whatever. I don't have enough in me to like ask people there how to use things. And I realized there's a lot of good resources online, but just, I was too afraid to, I guess. I just, I was like, I know how to use this. I know how to use a treadmill and I'm just going to do this. And I was having progress. So I just kind of never stopped. And it's like, I look back on like how much running I've done in the last few years and you know, how much I've lost just from that, that it's just like, it's such a weird feeling because I'm sure Anytime, like, it doesn't even matter what run I do, if it's a 5K or if it's a 10K or a half, a full, I always, you know, look back on, like, where I was and I just, it blows my mind even that, like, I can't believe I used to live like that kind of thing and, like, I can't believe I've made it this far because I never really thought I was going to, I never really thought I was going to do more than a 5K and I never, I just never thought this was something I was capable of doing, I guess, to what happened. Because I never really thought I was going to lose that much weight by myself, I guess. And and clearly you have. Like, so I, I think it's that's important, man. Like, this is this is a pretty impressive accomplishment. Like, you've done some truly amazing work. And you know, to, to talk about food now, like, what? How would you describe your relationship with food these days? Like, how? What are what are the struggles for you in that area, or has that become? another part of your life that you feel like, you know, you're, you're tackling consistently? Um, I feel like at this point, a lot of it I'm able to do consistently, but I still have moments where like, because I am doing like a mix between like keto and like low glycemic, like I, it's, I haven't had bread in like the longest time. And there's still like, my biggest struggle is like, I like, uh, like doing my own meals and like planning, but I, hate i guess for me is when i have to travel or visit family like i love seeing them but like it's really hard for me to stay consistent on like what i've been doing when it's like i don't really have options to like cook for myself or i may not have somewhere to prepare meals i guess like having to like resort to like what you can buy in a store or fast food like to to do that and it's like i, I don't want to say i travel all the time but there's a, at least once a month where i'm probably visiting family in new jersey where it's just like, I 
hate it when it's like I'm at a family function and it's like nothing I can find that works for me, I guess. And I realized that like, you know, one day isn't going to kill me, but still it's just not me, I guess. Where it's like, I'll survive, but you know, I like my consistency, I guess. Understood. And I, and I think that's the kind of almost like a next challenge that comes up for us when we get to the point, you know, that we've conquered the majority of our, our weight loss. Like, how do we handle those situations? Like you get to focus a little of your energy on that. So that's definitely an understandable challenge, man. I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And something I don't want to, I don't want to skip by because you mentioned this to me as well. Uh, August of last year, you had skin removal surgery. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, Cause at that, at this point, like let's, let's kind of summarize for, like, I want, I want people to understand like, so you're, You've lost well over 300 pounds. Like that's a, a massive accomplishment that I, I think is is truly awesome. And so August of this past year, like you you did something that a lot of people that, that go under a massive transformation do. And you had that that surgery done. Yeah, honestly, it was it happened so fast. Like I had gone to my doctor had sent me to um, a plastic surgeon months prior. And when I had went the first time in like May, I think it was, the doctor pretty much told me that he didn't think any of it would be covered by insurance. So like, I never kind of, I never really pushed it again. But during summer, um, I, it was like the first week of August or so, I started feeling sick and I had gone back to my doctor and like he had determined that it was, I had a really bad skin infection on like my lower stomach like just below like my belly button. Like I had gotten skin infections before, but never this bad to the point where I think I was throwing up. And then it took some time to get a referral back to the plastic surgeon. And that was like mid August. Uh, he took, he took pictures and sent it to my insurance. And he told me that I may not be here back from my insurance till like October or even December and to like not get my hopes up. Uh, the next day though, I got a call from my doctor saying that it had been approved already. But on the 27th, like less than like six days later, I needed to have it done that day though. On the 26th, there was like a time frame from my insurance that they wanted to, that there was an actual infection still there when they did the surgery for some reason. I don't, I still don't really know fully why, but it had to be done within that six days. So like I had to tell my work and stuff that like, Hey, I'm having surgery in six days and I'm going to be gone for a while. And, um, I think I mentioned it uh, to you just like the inconsistency I had from my doctors about everything was just, was like such a headache on top of it. Like I had gone in on the sit on the, sorry, the 27th and I had a phone call before I even went in for my insurance company that I was denied some of my post-care uh, medical things. There was a thing I needed a, a wound vacuum. Um, they said it was denied because there was no proof of a wound. So I talked to them on the phone before I even went in for surgery. I was like, hey, I'm going in for surgery today. Um, any way you can improve it? And they're like, we can't, it's just policy. If there's no wound, we can't do it. So you need to get your doctor to send proof after there's actually a wound. 
And I told my doctor and he's like, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. But like, just from the beginning, I was just like so nervous because I felt like it was happening so quick. And it was just like, my insurance is already giving me a hard time about getting stuff I need just because it hasn't happened yet, even though it's scheduled and I'm they're pro and my insurance, I'm sure is getting billed already for having the surgery that day. So, but, um, as far as the surgery itself, um, my doctor had told me that, uh, like I knew what to expect, but he told me that that day, that morning that, um, there was a possibility that I had to decide if I wanted a, a belly button. He was just like, we can, we can craft you one, but it's going to cost extra money and it's not covered by insurance because it's cosmetic. And I think it was somewhere around like 2000 to do that. But I opted not to, but then right before surgery, he said they thought my belly button was high enough where I could keep it. So I was just like, I wasn't sure what to think. Like I'd already processed the idea of not having a belly button. Anyway, they I wasn't able to keep it. I, and I, but I didn't figure that out for almost a month later. So, but it was disappointing when I did find out. Well, that's a roller coaster, man. Like happening so fast, <laughs> and like all that back and forth, and you know what? What specific surgery did they do for on you then? Like what? What did you? Was it just the abdominoplasty? Like was there a body lift? Like what? What did you go through then? I always pronounce it wrong, and I feel like at this point I should know what it's called. Mm. But uh, uh, I think it's called panelectomy. It was just lower stomach. It was it was just from uh, below my belly button to just my sides. And honestly, it went pretty well for the most part. I think I was just more scared of anything because uh, I was only supposed to be there for like one night after. And I ended up staying the entire week. Every time I'd stand up, I'd faint. And it was like such a scare. The first time it was because I had to go to the bathroom and like I just couldn't go. And they were like, let's try you standing up like that might help. So like as I was walking to use the bathroom or to go to the bathroom, that is, I remember telling the nurse like, hey, I can't see. And they told me to sit down. And then like the next thing I remember, I woke up and there was like five nurses over me and like three doctors. And I was just like, I hope this was the right decision to do this surgery. And I was there, and then that kept every time I'd get up to go to the bathroom, I, they'd, they'd have to have, like, three nurses in the room. And, like, it was like that the entire week till they finally sent me home. Um, the only th other thing they said was just, like, they thought it was related to the, my iron level being so low after surgery from all the blood loss. So, like, I was on, like, iron medication for a while and, like, um, just some other medication. Like, I had the wound vac on, and, like, I was a lot of blood was draining into, like, these... um. I don't know what they're called, but like I, the nurses always call them grenades, like hand grenades. They would they would just these balls that would fill up with blood, and I'd have to like measure how much blood would come out and how often I'd uh, dump them and put them back together. I guess. So that was like the only thing. So I was off work that time, and like this comes into the part where the like inconsistency with my doctors was just like my doctor told me that I could start like running that weekend again, and I can go back to work on that Monday after. But, like, my primary wanted to rent me out of work to, like, almost January. And then my nurse practitioner that I'd see as well on the side for, um, at the surgery place said I could go back, like, October and I could start running in October. Because, like, that was one of the things I was concerned about. I was like, when can I get back to my normal 
like routine of like running or get even just getting back to work. But um, and it it felt bad, and I kept having to tell my bosses different things because I didn't even know myself. And I ended up going back to work like mid September though. But I started running like first week of October, and I guess it depends on who you ask. But to me. Um, that I felt really strange is so many people would tell me about this surgery that I had had it or, or known people that had it is like how much, how painful the surgery was. And just like, for me, they gave me like two weeks of, uh, tramadol and I didn't even take a single one. Like I was never in pain the entire surgery when like after recovery, like I just never took one. I didn't even take aspirin or Advil or I didn't take anything. Like I felt fine. The only thing that was uncomfortable was having to try to walk around with like uh, tubes coming out of my side from the wound vac and like the blood draining, and that was it. But I wasn't in pain. I slept a lot though, but that was about it. But like I'd still walk around and try to do what I could at home, and I felt fine. I had no real issues. So hearing all my doctors say how painful everything was going to be, or like I couldn't walk till or run till like January or December, it was just like. I don't know what any of these people are talking about because it doesn't add up. Looking back on it, I'm glad I did it, but you know. Yeah, that's wild. Like to know because I, I, you know, I've talked to other people that have had the surgery. Like even just had friends that haven't been on the podcast, and like you know, they, the pain is something they all talk about. So that's that's kind of wild, man. That's how do you feel? Like you know, does it does the that area feel better for you? Like in terms of like the any of the you know the effects that you were having because of the skin? Like is that a has that become like a net positive in the end, the experience? Uh, I mean, it took me a while to see it that way because there was so much a long time. Like when I started getting back to running, for example, I was just so disappointed that like all my endurance was gone just from not running during that time frame. And like I felt just super exhausted all the time. Like when I went back to work in September, it would, it was, my shift would be like I'd get up early in the morning. I'd go to my morning shift seven to like nine. I would go home and then sleep pretty much till like 2.30 and then I'd eat something for lunch and then work from 3 o'clock to 6 or depending on the day, like 3 to 10. And like as soon as I got home from any of those shifts, I would just feel the need to sleep. I wasn't doing anything. I'd be like, I'd wake up, shower, go to work, go home, sleep. And it was like, it made me feel so tired. But like looking on like the positives now, like past like the beginning time frame when it feels bad is just like running for example for me it feels so much better like i don't have all that extra skin like slamming into like my legs or above my knees like i feel so much better like i've just from the weight that i guess is gone from it like i feel faster and like i'm not i don't like it, to me like one of the best things is that is that, like i'm not slamming into my knees with my the extra skin but overall it's a positive but like i it still just looks weird to me i guess so I got like the incision line that's still, you know, side to side and it's kind of weird not having a belly button, but like, um, but being realistic, like it doesn't matter. And it's like, I don't think about it unless someone mentions it sometimes, but it's like, how often is someone really going to see me without a shirt on? Well, I, I think that makes sense, man. Like, and you know, this was just a couple months ago, you know, so it, yeah. it's, it's, you know, you're still. You, you're having all these coming through this kind of incredible journey, having these big changes and getting back into things like so what what are things like for you now? Like, how what are what are your current challenges and what are the things you're working on now? 
Um, as far as uh, as far as weight loss, or just in my life, uh, or anything like in in general, like are there are you are you happy with your weight where it is now? Do you want to lose more? Like where where are you at with that? Um, I'm definitely like comfortable being at uh in the two twenties or even low two thirties. Like it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Cause like during summer, I was just like my biggest, like more recent goal, I guess, as far as weight loss, I just wanted to be under 200. Like, I don't even care if it was like 199. I just wanted to say that I did it kind of thing. And I'm still never really sure realistically what a good weight is, but as long as I'm able to like do these things that I'm enjoying, it doesn't really bother me as much as it used to. Like, as long as I can keep running and like do doing these other things in my life that like I have opportunities to, then it doesn't really bother me as much, but there's definitely like, if I were to say that it doesn't bother me at all, that'd be a lie. Cause there's definitely times I get in the scale, my weight's up and like all of a sudden it starts bumming my head out. There's definitely less of those moments, I guess. And I'm not like, I used to weigh myself like every Friday, eventually when I got a scale myself and now I do it like only maybe once a month or so. Cause otherwise I would just freak out about it probably. Sure. And on the physical side of things, like you mentioned this, like you're, you're training for your very first full marathon. So that seems like that's probably your, would you say that's the focus on like your physical activity side right now? Uh, yeah, I just started like a, a week or two ago, like my training plan for it. So I, most my physical activity now is running because that's all I can really fit into my schedule with work and school. So it's just like mainly just running and I'm, I'm happy with that. So that's my goal, I guess, for is doing that marathon. So, but I definitely miss, um, I used to, I got into swimming a bit, like when I was training for that triathlon, but I haven't been cleared yet, but my doctor to swim, like, I'm pretty sure if I went to my doctor, they'd clear me. I just haven't gone back yet. Cause like my appointment again with my surgeon is like. I think it's like may or something but if i actually took the time to like go sooner than that i'm pretty sure they'd clear me to go swimming again because i haven't had any issues with my surgery area to the point where i think swimming would be a bad idea but i miss that and like i've tried other things here and there like i did crossfit for a while and like well i miss the things it just doesn't really fit into my time slot anymore it, it's incredible you know that you're you're gonna in a few months you'll be crossing the finish line on a marathon like that that's pretty epic and inspiring man so i i, I think that's that truly is something you should be proud of because i have no doubts you're gonna you know you're gonna make that you know with with no problem thanks i'm super excited about it i just in some ways i wish it was closer and then other times i'm like i need so much more time to practice and like train Oh yeah, I'm sure there's a balance just, there between like what what you know you need physically and what your head you know wants to get it done. Yeah, and I just I'm I think I'm just more excited. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I'm doing it, I won't say I was more excited, but like just the the action of like uh, signing up online to register for doing that marathon was like such a feeling where I was like, I'm actually going to do this or I want to do this kind of thing. I didn't I wasn't like forced to do it. Like I you know I did it in my own. I did it myself, I guess. It's like, no one's making me do this. I want to do this. Because that's something I never, you know, saw myself. Like, if you would have asked me in high school if I would have ever done anything like that, the answer was no. I used to skip gym class on when they'd run the mile so I could avoid 
having to do that. And like people ask me now, like, do you think you would have liked track in high school if you would have tried? And it's just like probably not. Cause I was definitely too too heavy then to do that. And like I don't know. I guess it's in the past, so that's what it is. I just I don't know. It just makes me wonder sometime if anything could have changed if I would have tried running sooner. But I guess it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's natural to get stuck, you know, kind of get into that place sometimes. But at the end of the day, those those days have gone past. Like, there's there's no way to go back and change them. So, like, now you yeah. just know you're, you're doing, you know, you've got these things laid out in front of you that are still to come that are that are going to be pretty awesome, man. Like, I, I think that's really fantastic. Well, we, we've spent a, a fair amount of time talking already, so I'm not, I don't want to take up your whole day, but I do want to ask you, uh, I got a couple more questions for you, man. I, yeah. I, I'd like to, I'd like to know, like, so there's not a lot of people out there that could say they've lost as much weight as you have. Like you've, you've really done, you know, a lot of work and I'm just wondering, like, what do you think is, what do you think are like the biggest takeaways for you on your journey? Like, what are the biggest lessons learned? You know, if I were to say to you today, Mike, what are what are the what are the, the the top two things that you've learned on your journey? One would definitely be consistency. Um, I've realized how much being consistent in like any aspect, like if it's your diet or like just what you're eating or your exercise, as long as you're staying consistent, at least for me, like it made such the difference. Because there was times where I felt like I had I don't want to say given up, but like I wasn't consistent, and it showed. And like looking back on it now, like being consistent to me was you know it, it was a big deal and from where i started into now um i guess the second would just be to have more faith i guess in myself like confidence just like now in a lot of ways i feel like i'm getting better with confidence but it, to me it made such a difference now if and if i would have just had that confidence from the beginning things could be slightly different i guess there's such a difference i guess now in the way i guess i present myself first where I started and just like how I feel um like silly things I know it's kind of off topic but just like the way I feel like people treat me now versus when I first started I guess feels different oh and I don't I don't think that's off topic at all I think that's something that you know we all go through and especially when you realize that you didn't even you didn't even kind of pick up on sometimes the way you were being treated by some people yeah and it's just like um I was going to say with some people like that I used to work with or not only say work with, but would go through like even if it was working out or work or just anywhere. I feel like people didn't really ever make eye contact with me. And like now it feels weird when people do make eye contact with me. I don't know if it's something you've ever noticed before or if it's just me being me, but I just feel like people actually give me eye contact now versus, you know, a few years ago they wouldn't have. Like when they had conversations, their eyes just go away. Oh, I, I know. I completely agree. Like, I think it's something, you know, especially when you're that heavy, that it's almost like people, they, I think they subconsciously don't want to stare. So they, or, or they're uncomfortable or, or for whatever reason, they, they don't like, you know, it's, so it's almost like you become like the, the overlooked, like the invisible, you know, and, you know, then you, have, of course, have moments where you felt like you were the center of attention. You know, like if you walk into a crowded room and people are like, oh, God, here he comes. But there's also times where, you know, I remember like even like in line for something, you know, getting overlooked, you know, for someone who was, you know, maybe behind me or beside me yeah. or like that kind of thing. Like you're you're 
there's there's this for some reason this tendency to kind of like overlook people you know in that condition and so yeah when you get to the point that you're not on the outside anymore of of size you know when you notice that people are making eye contact with you and noticing it it can be very it can be disconcerting at times and also just really a new different experience yeah and there's not all bad things i was gonna say like i as i mentioned before like i had gone to the y and like i i um i have multiple jobs with them now but one of them uh, i work in the fitness center now and um but regardless of me working there or not like i'm i'm just there a lot like working out myself with running like it's either on the treadmill or on the track or i'm outside in one of the groups but i've been going there for such a long time now that um the the amount of people that say stuff to me now like i just you know i used to go and no one would ever say a word to me and like now i have like all these people that i don't even know who they are tell me how they've seen me for like you know months or years ago and how great i look now compared to you know even like a few months ago and how consistent i am with it and it, i mean it feels good but there's times i feel guilty because it's like i don't know who they are but like they'll come up and tell me and it's just like i appreciate it but at the same time it's like i don't know who you are and i feel bad hey i mean but that's okay man you know that's you know they're you it's because you've done something publicly that is impacting people whether you realize it or not and it's it's good that they're sharing that with you. I think that's important. Yeah. So so Mike, we've talked about a lot of different things today. Like, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to dive into? Not that I can think of. I'm trying to think of everything that I in my life what I did mention and didn't. I can't really think of anything. Was there anything else that you had on the list? No, or? no, no. I just wanted to make sure that we didn't head to wrap up and that you were kind of like, oh, I wish we had a chance to talk about <laughs> X, Y, and Z. Like, no. Well, I'm sure that'll happen that. at some point. Oh, it, trust me, it's going to be 100% natural that we finish recording and you're like, why didn't I tell this story? Or why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I do that? Like, it, it's completely going to be something that happens. And I'll remember five questions I wanted to ask as I'm walking out my door later today. So don't worry, man. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure I will forget something. So it always hits me like, you know, I probably should have mentioned this or that. So that's why we'll have to have you back after you run the marathon and talk about <laughs> what that was like. See? Absolutely. See, that we'll, we'll, we'll plan a sequel. That'll be <laughs> awesome. So one of the things I like to do at the end of every episode, man, is to, is to ask the fat guy five, are you ready for your five questions? Yes. Okay. So here we go, man. First question, number one of the fat guy five. Tell us, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? <laughs> I am definitely have heard this name before on here, but my favorite by far is definitely John Candy. Nice. I I think the camp it tends to the 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 top two that I get are Chris Farley and John Candy, and yeah. I'm a John Can I'm a John Candy guy, so I always like when I get someone that actually picks John instead of Chris. No offense yeah, to the I, Chris Farley fans <laughs> out there, but I think I you know he, he's definitely on my list too. And like for me, I I feel like I've heard this before on the podcast, but I don't know. Like I feel like I don't want to say I was forced, but I felt like at some point, especially when I was heavier, to like. I don't want to say fit in, but I felt like I had to kind of fill a role of trying to be funny. Mm. I guess does that make sense at all? Like I don't know if anyone else has oh, yeah. said that before, but growing up, I felt like I had to be something because it definitely wasn't athletic. So, oh yeah, I think I think we're expected. I think I think big people, especially big guys, are expected to be funny. And when you you have those moments where you don't want to be funny, is when people are like, "Well, what's wrong with you today? Like, why are you in a mood?" <laughs> you know, and that makes complete sense. 
Question number two, Ben. Thinking back to your heavier days, what was your quintessential fat guy meal? There was a place in New Jersey at Rutgers. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it on TV before. I've seen it on like different on the Travel Channel, I think it was, or the mm-hmm. Food Network. Um, grease trucks. Oh yeah. Have you heard of it? Actually, I wasn't sure. I have. I have. Many oh yeah. No, definitely. Because I, I think I, I think I even remember Man versus Food hit a couple. Yeah, I think there is one for that. But they have all these different fat sandwiches. Quickly trying to look it up because I don't want to tell you the wrong stuff that's on it because I feel like it's sure. if you actually have the actual thing. I know they renamed the name of a lot of them. There was like I think for the man versus food, it's like if you eat enough of it, you get to rename the sandwich. No, I just remember like they they've got like insane combinations pile up on those sandwiches, like things that you wouldn't necessarily think of of throwing on there. <laughs> yeah, I just. I had gone there um, from where I went to high school. It was really close. So that I went with friends, like, definitely way more than I should. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I look back on it and I'm just like, I can't believe I ate this so many times or like I ever thought this was like a good idea. I mean, there was definitely things I ate, like mostly frozen stuff. And it's just like, you know, something that should be the size for like a family. I'm, you know, I'm really just eating it myself kind of thing. Sure, I think, and I think that I think that makes sense. Uh, is that popping up, or do you want to move on to the next question, man? What do you think? Uh, making this go longer okay. it needs to. Oh no, it, it's okay. Well, I know there's people out there listening that are waiting to hear what was on the sandwich. Now, like we <laughs> we've built we've built we've built it up enough that we have to give them some payoff. Uh, I think this is what it was. It was cheesesteak, chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, French fries, and marinara sauce on like a big bread sandwich that they deep fry with all that on it. They've got a lot of different ones, but that was like the one that I think I got the the most. There's another one I'm looking at here that's double cheeseburger, lettuce, tomato, French fries, mayo, and ketchup. Um, grilled chicken with cheese, lettuce, tomato, French fries, mayo, and mozzarella sticks. A lot of stuff like that. That's somewhere that I'm not going to encourage anyone to go, but <laughs> it's, it's it's it sounds pretty amazing, man. Qu- question number three on the Fat Guy Five. So there, so. Mike, let's let's think about that person who's sitting out there right now, um, who's where you were when you got started, you know, in that 500, 600 pound range, barely getting up and down the stairs. What is your number one piece of advice to them to help them get started? You need to find your motivation and you just need to do it. Like, don't wait, don't put it off. You need to find something that actually like motivates you and you need that motivation. Like for me, if it wasn't for my motivation, I don't know if I honestly would have ever started. Maybe at some point something would have happened where I did find the motivation, but to me that was like such a big, like, you know, I need to do this kind of thing where I just, you know, I didn't, I did, I just threw everything I had into it because there was something that meant more to me than the current life I was living, I guess, if that makes sense to you. I never really know how to word it, but I guess just finding motivation and then sticking with it. That makes complete sense, man. I think that that's smart. That's that's really smart advice. Question number four, what person, podcast, website, YouTube channel, book do you recommend to someone that needs motivation? Uh, I, I think I mentioned this to you when I was talking to you. I wasn't sure if you, you were aware of it or not, but uh, there's an Instagram uh, page that I follow. and group that I, I find for motivation. It's called uh, Weight Loss Stories. I started using Instagram um, 
one because I wanted to post some pictures uh, from running and stuff that I had and like to somewhat share my story. It didn't exactly pan out the way I wanted, but I found like it was such, you know, a good outlet to at least see other people that are doing incredible things. And I wouldn't feel, I guess, as alone. And I was able, I eventually, I don't remember who I followed, but I followed someone who on their thing was tagging weight loss stories. So once I found that, like to me, I was able to find so many other people that I felt like, you know, have such incredible stories as well that I was able to like see what they do. I could learn some new things maybe when it comes with uh, meal prepping or diet or just seeing other people, you know, being consistent or happy and exercise. And I figured it would keep me motivated. So that's how I ended up using Instagram more. And I found that group and that's how I found a uh, Sal that you had on your podcast, I think mm -hmm. two weeks ago. And like just a ton of people like that, like that's how I was able to find you and then find your podcast was just through him. Like I, I should uh, find probably more resources, but like to me, like it was such an incredible way to like find what all these other people are doing and things that they like. And then I was able to research from there, like being able to listen to your podcast and then seeing all the other stuff that like Sal and all these other people that use that group were on. I was able to find, you know, just more and more people to find myself motivated which Instagram is like turned into for me is just kind of using other people, I guess. I don't mean it in like a negative way, but to help myself, I guess. And like, it's finally like now, like after talking to you this week and listening to other people, like I've finally decided I'm going to try to do more, I guess, with my own Instagram. Cause like maybe I might be able to help other people the way they've helped me, I guess. Because there's just so many people that I feel that are so inspiring. And it's just like, I just would have had no no idea if I never had tried using Instagram. Well, I, I for one, have no doubts that, you know, the more you share, the more inspiring you're going to be to people, man. Like, I, I, I definitely encourage you to do that. I think that is that sounds fantastic. And I, and I think finding a tool like Weight Loss Stories that allows you to find access to those different people and those different that different motivation is a great idea. So like, I think that's something that everyone out there should check out and, and should figure, you know, see what what roads that takes them down. Like, you never know where you're going to end up. Like, look, at the, look at the connections that's built for you. So I think that sounds great. Yeah. And it's like, for me, I still consider myself like, I'm working on trying to be more confident, but I've always seen myself as like a shy person. So like, it was never me to, you know, post on instagram or do stuff like that and like i mean i post my running stuff and like some weight loss stuff but like i decided like after we were done with this sometime in the next few days or tonight when i get the time i'm gonna try to post like on weight loss stories they have like a you can submit your story kind of thing and i decided you know what it's like what what do i got to lose you know by doing it like maybe it'll help someone else and it hopefully will make myself i guess feel better and find more motivation like i hate to make it about me in that sense but i just i don't know i think there's positive benefits that i could be taking advantage of i guess for sure man i think that that, that definitely sounds great i I, lo I look forward to seeing that happen for you i'm sure it will obviously with coming today like i am very thankful like i just feel like it um you know it, it's always a, a makes me feel positive like uh you know trying to do stuff like this just because it you know it helps me in a way, like, I don't, I'm probably wording this poorly, but almost, like, therapeutic in a way to, like, talk about my story and stuff like that, because I 
don't i mean i talk to people here and there about it but not like this well i i was really happy that you you were willing to, to jump on man once i I think I came across your page because you connected with me through Sal and I saw what you had done and I was like, I yeah. want to talk to him and, and find out some more about it. So I, I really have appreciated you taking all this time today and really diving into what, what you've been through. So I, I think uh, everyone out there listening is going to get a lot out of what you've been able to share. So thank you. Thank you. I mean, I was definitely nervous at first when you messaged me. I was like, should I, should I do that? And then I thought about it a little bit and I was like, I came to the conclusion, like, what do, it's like, why, why not? Like, what do I, well, like, what? Why wouldn't I at this point? I guess so. It's definitely put me like in a better mood of like, you know, I need to start doing more. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Like, I just—it's not that I'm embarrassed or anything like that. I just, it's just—I don't know how to word it. Like, I guess I'm just a very shy person. So it's just like, it's like you know, I you know, there's no reason for me not to do this. I just sit down and I'm just like. I'm sorry. I don't even know. I feel like I'm rambling sure. about it. But. No, it's okay, man. And you, you've done it. So, you know, like I, I think it's great that you were willing to take that chance and, and maybe like you said, it could lead to you, you know, finding new avenues, you know, as well for you to express yourself and express your story and share that motivation with people. I have one more question for you in the fat guy five. And we've talked about kind of like uh, about kind of where your weight's at and what your fitness goals are for the, you know, this year. But what is one one non weight or health or fitness related goal that you have for the next year? My the other thing that I I mentioned that I was going to school as well. Um, I I just um, this is my first time back in college since my eye issues. I just uh, started this spring semester. Um, I decided finally, like I had a lot of self doubt about doing this, like if I was ready, if this was a good idea. But the reason I'm back is I'm taking prerequisites uh, for nursing. I'd like to go back to school for nursing. So if I can get my prerequisites done now for spring and then summer, I need to take uh, anatomy summer course. Assuming I get that done, I can take the an exam for, uh, I think it's called T's exam. And then I can apply to nursing programs for this time next year. And that's at least what I'd like to get done as far as school. That's an awesome goal, man. I, it sounds like you've got like, something really in focus that would be really you know it, you you have a lot of experience being on the other side of it so like I, I think you'll you'll bring a lot of great perspective to nursing as well so that sounds awesome and it's something that i've always wanted to do even like before like i want to say like in high school even i had thoughts about doing it but i just wasn't sure if it was a good idea and then seeing all the stuff that i've done like with my the cornea transplant and just all the random doctors that I've gone to, you know, from anything, just like, honestly, the nurses that I've had have been so great. And I kind of want to be like that for someone else. And I don't want to sound like my doctors have been like terrible. They, they haven't. Um, my primary is really great. I've had a lot of great doctors, but there have been a few, like the one that I had for my transplant for the cornea wasn't very friendly. And like, I had such a bad experience that if it wasn't for the nurses, I don't know that I'd be so positive about a lot of the stuff that I've had to go through and even wanting to do nursing. So like, that's, I guess my motivation to do nursing is I've just had so many good experiences from the nursing aspect, the people that have talked to me and helped me. Well, that, I think that sounds awesome, man. And, and if people want to kind of see what happens with that next step of your journey or see how your prep goes for the marathon, how can they get in touch with you? Like, where can they track you down? Uh, my Instagram is, a pretty good uh 
which is uh, I'm sure you'll have it posted on it, but at seriously underscore is it underscore at Mike uh, Stern? It'll be on your thing, and then if that's not um, if they want to also get me, I'm I'm on Facebook and I'm really open uh, with people adding me and talking to me on Facebook. You can just find me as uh, I think I have it listed right now as Michael Sternfels, and I'm the as far as I know, I'm like one of the only ones with that name and that lives in this country, so it shouldn't be hard to find. So you can add me on there or private or uh, use Messenger. I use it all the time. So, well, there you go, man. I will definitely put your your Instagram handle in the show notes so people can link to you that way. And like you said, they can reach out to you on Facebook. I want to say thank you again, Mike. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and and really kind of diving deep into your story and giving us a look at you know this this kind of incredible space that you've gone through and and where you're running off to now. So I just want to say a big thank you, man. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I had a lot of fun today. If there's anything else you need, just let me know. I'd love to talk more at some point. Definitely, definitely. We'll we'll, we'll definitely make plans to circle back after that marathon in May. I think that'll be a, a good idea. That'll be awesome. So so everyone out there listening, you can connect with your host with me, Gourmet, on Instagram as well, at Gourmet underscore goes underscore keto, on Twitter, at Gourmet Goes Keto. And you can also email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com. Remember, my friends, Go out there today and do something to amaze yourself because you are amazing people. Catch you all next time on the Fat Guy Forum.